Good to see everybody in the house today. Super excited about what you uh, re- really have been a part of over the last week. And uh, before we show you a quick video, my name is Sean Nepstad. My wife and I pastor this great group of people called Fellowship Church. And two words God's given us, everybody, for this place. Say it out loud with me. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. That's all found in Jesus. And how many have found that to be true? Amen, everybody. It's so, so great to know that we have a place that we can deal with our yesterday and that God gives us grace for tomorrow. And last Sunday was pretty special. I want to show you a quick recap video of what you did to make last Sunday happen. Let's take a look. Come on, somebody clap your hands for everybody who was baptized and our dream team that made it happen. Come on, give God your best praise this morning. Phenomenal. 391 precious people in one day. That is absolutely incredible. And uh, so excited that all of you have stepped out into your next step of what the journey looks like for you to follow Jesus. And man, I'm so proud of you. As your pastor, I just have to tell you, I'm so proud of you. And I said, hey, let's go. If you want to get baptized, half the congregation left. I mean, half... Half the chairs were gone, and I thought, this is, this is amazing. And here's something else that's pretty exciting. As of next Sunday, we start a new series called I Love My Church, and really, you're going to help me preach. So we have three testimonies per, per weekend that you'll hear from different people and their stories of how God's changed your life in this place. And to make more room, you ready for this? We're going to four services next Sunday, everybody. So you say, Sean, what are the times? Well, our first service will be at four in the morning. Let's see how much you really love Jesus. No, I'm just, our first service, let's, sure, sure, get your phones out. Everybody get your phones out. Let's plug this in or take pictures of this so you don't, don't forget. Our next Sunday service times will be 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.45, and 5 p.m. They're all identical services. Now, you can't all come to the 10 o'clock, all right? So I need some of you to shift to 8.30, some of you to shift to 11.45, because guests are going to want to come probably at that that 10 o'clock hour, so we want to make sure that they have seats. And hey, listen, even as we park, let's not park in the prime spots. If you're a member of the church, Dream Team member, I love you. I don't know if you guys know this. Our church, our Dream Team, so amazing. They park far away to give you first-time guests a better spot. Isn't that great? Like, I don't know if you know that or not, but our Dream Team parks as far away as possible. My, I'm like, it's a three-minute walk, you know, to just to park on the other side of the parking lot. Don't park in front of Staples. Don't park in front of, you know, uh, uh, Big Five. Let's, let's honor their spaces. But park behind Staples or on the other side of the parking lot. And uh, I want to bless you for, for just having that heart for people. We don't come to church just for us. We come for those who aren't even here yet. Amen, everybody. <clears throat> and to help us advertise this, we have a mailer that's dropping this week, and I'm going to ask you in the seat back in front of you, there's a stack of invite cards. I'd like you all to take those out, put them in your pocket, put them in your purse right now, and just make a commitment to pass those out this week. I'll leave a nice tip at a, at a, at a restaurant, and I'll, just, I'll invite a waiter or a waitress. You just never know who's one invitation away. How many are glad we didn't stop reaching out before you got here? So I want to encourage you to make sure, because... There's a lot of hurting and broken people that desperately need the love of Jesus in this place. So let's make a commitment to give these five cards out this week and tell somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a latte, I'll buy you a chicken sandwich afterward. 
just I'll sit with you, just whatever you can do, because I believe that this next series is really going to help your friends and family members understand the grace and the love of God. So let's do that. You guys with me on that? And then, of course, this Wednesday night is our first Wednesday service. We have one service on a Wednesday per month, and it's the very first Wednesday of every month. So prayer will be postponed for this Thursday because we do this Wednesday service. And this Wednesday service is awesome. It's where we do a little extended worship. We love worship so much. And, well, we, we you know, on Sundays it's, it's a little shorter, but on Wednesday nights it's a lot longer. We take communion there, and we pray for healing for people in, in their physical bodies. And then I have a leadership session that I'm going to teach you. You ready for this? I'm going to teach you about time management. Look at somebody and tell them, you need this. You need this. How to, how to, how to, how to be a better manager of your time. All right, everybody? So you don't want to miss this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All right, grab your notes out, grab your pens, grab your Bibles as we jump into a standalone message this morning entitled, Lids. Lids. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for an amazing time already. We have been encouraged already. We have been overwhelmed at your grace. And Lord, you didn't have to do anything But you've come and you have loved us to the depths. And for that, we are eternally grateful. I pray over the next few moments that we have together that you'd speak to every heart. Take this message, divide it up a thousand different ways. And I thank you, Lord, that you're here. In Jesus' name, somebody say good amen. Amen. Being a parent is an enormous experiment. All the parents say amen. amen. You think you're being a good parent. But there are certain stories that your children do not tell you until they're older. <laughs> I have too many, really, to tell. But there is one that fairly recently came to my attention, and it was when my daughters were young. I have four daughters, and I love them with all of my heart. And my daughter, Mariah, she had the bright idea to talk Hadassah, her older sister, who's older by 14 months, into getting into a suitcase to see if she can fit. Kind of like this suitcase here. This size of a suitcase. And my daughter, they, they all wanted to go on a trip with us because my wife and I were going on a missions trip. And so we were going we to take a missions trip. And they were like, hey, Dad, Mom, we can go with you. Like, we can fit in the suitcase. And they, they wanted to prove to us that they can fit. How many know that when you're a kid, everything seems like a good idea? And why not? Absolutely. So Hadassah jumps in the suitcase. Mariah closes the lid of the suitcase, zips it up shut, and they start to giggle, and they're laughing because it's worked. And now Mariah is going to leave the room to run down and tell mom, like, mom, guess what? It worked. We can go on the trip with you. But as she closes the door, she realizes she has locked the door at the same time. Now, instead of just running and telling mom immediately, like, hey, mom, the door's locked. Come help me. She starts to panic. She starts to shake the knob, and she's, she's kind of pushing the door, and she's talking to Hadassah, who's on the inside, trapped in a suitcase. She's talking, and she's like, Hadassah, the door is locked. She starts to panic, and then Hadassah starts to panic. Like, claustrophobia sets in, right? Now, the only thing worse than knowing that your sister is locked in a room, locked in a suitcase, is being the one who's locked in the room, locked in a suitcase. So panic is really setting in now, and Hadassah's freaking out. Mariah doesn't know what to do. And so Hadassah has a bright idea that would lead to her breakthrough. 
she starts thinking like her daddy. She, she, she put, takes her fingers and she, she feels around in the darkness where the zipper starts. She notices there's a little gap and she starts to put her finger there and starts to slide the zipper ever so slowly all the way around the suitcase until it's open and she pops the lid out and she has now been freed. All of this has taken place without Diana or I hearing anything. We're such good parents. We're the best. Now, all of us know what that feels like. Not that you've been stuck in a suitcase. But the fact that many of us know what it's like to do life and feel like there's a lid on us. But here's the problem. Many of us don't feel like we can break free. Let me say it another way. All of us want to grow in our individual leadership, but there's a lid on us, and we feel like there's no way I can break past that certain level of leadership. Well, if that's you, write this down in your notes, because here's what I know for sure. Number one, it makes you feel stuck. You feel so stuck. And this is a horrible place to be. I could speak to this because about 10 years ago, I hit a place where I felt stuck in ministry, pastoring this church. I felt so stuck for four long years. There were long years, man. Long, four long years, I felt so stuck. And the best way that I could describe it is that it's almost like you're riding a bicycle down a mountain. You have a lot of momentum and you're going really fast. And then all of a sudden you hit a patch of mud, thick mud, and you stop. And you're spinning your tires, you're spinning, you're pedaling, you're doing a lot of work, but you're not going anywhere. Come on, how many knows what that feels like, all right? So that, that's what you feel. You're doing the same thing, but you're not getting any type of results that you want, which leads you to feel, write this down, frustrated. You feel stuck, and now you're so frustrated. You're frustrated at yourself, you're frustrated at God, you're frustrated at the world. You see where you want to be, and yet you, you don't know how to get there. You, you thought there was more to life. You thought there was more of God, but now you, you find yourself talking yourself out of believing God for more. You're frustrated because you're, you, you feel there's an inability to change or to reach a goal. You're not being as productive as you want to be. You're not being as impactful as you want to be. You become so frustrated that it leads you to feel, write this third one down, deflated. You feel stuck, you feel frustrated, and now you feel deflated. And this is scary. This is a scary place to get to. Because if you get here, this is actually where you begin to accept the lid. It's, it's where you begin to accept it. It's like, okay, all right, I guess I, guess I, can't, I, guess I can't grow on my leadership. I guess I can't make my dreams come true. I guess I'll never be what I wanted to be. I guess I'll never do what I wanted to do. Okay, okay, I accept this limitation. You were once so filled with hope and vision and so excited, but now you have lost hope and motivation. Here's the definition of the word lid. The word lid means a removable or hinged cover. Did you see that? A removable or hinged cover. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is there any word in that statement that makes you happy? Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, here's the good news. The good news is, yes, there's a lid on everybody's leadership. I understand that. But there is a removable lid on top of you. You can lift the lid. Turn and tell somebody, I can lift the lid. Now turn and tell your other person, your other sitting next to you, say, I can lift the lid. Come on, one more time. Everybody say, I can lift the lid. 
Now here's what we think when we think leadership. We typically think that there is a level of leadership on everybody, and many times we think that there are people who are just natural-born leaders. Would you agree with that statement? We look at people and they're like they're just natural-born leaders. Here's what we do. We look at people, we look at kids, like in the sandbox, and you see the one kid who's lining all the other kids up, telling them where to stand, telling them how to play with their toys, and we look at them and we say this, we say this, we say, they are a natural-born leader. Maybe. Or maybe they're just bossy. <laughs> that, by and large, that has been our problem. We, we look at leadership, we look at bossy people, and we say they are natural-born leader. Okay, listen to me, everybody. For far too long, we have associated bossiness with a, a natural-born leader, and we've forgotten that a leader, leadership is not being bossy. It is about developing people. Bossy people don't change the world. But you show me somebody who knows how to invest and develop people, I'll show you a world changer and a difference maker. So what does leadership look like? It's developing people. It's leading people. And John Maxwell, who is the guru of leadership, he's a Christian author, writer, speaker, and he says, he's coined a couple of phrases. One is everything rises and falls with leadership. So, so, so leadership is very key. He also gives a principle of the law of the lid. I would say that there are five different categories we all find ourselves in. Number one, you're here today and you say to yourself, there's a group of you, you'd say, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. The second group of you, you would say, I'm not a good leader. Like you're a leader, but you, you, you would admit, I'm not a good one. Number three, there's another area of people that you would say, um, I, 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 I'm a good leader, but you're really not. <laughs> there's a fourth group of people that would say, I don't believe I can grow in my leadership. And number five, there's a, there's a group of you that you recognize you're a great leader. Okay, which one do you fit in? Number one, I'm not a leader. Number two, I'm not a good leader. Number three, I think I'm a good leader, but you're really not. Number four, I don't think I can grow in my leadership. And number five, you're a great leader. Okay. Which one is it that describes you? Because here's the truth. The proof is in the pudding. If you're a good leader, you're going to see that by the ones you're leading. Here's what we don't talk about a lot, though. You can grow in your leadership. We don't discuss this much, and, and I want to encourage you. You can grow in your leadership. So if you're a level three leader, you can grow to a level seven or eight. If you're a level seven, you can grow to an eight, nine, or 10. You can grow in your leadership. Here's what we have to remember, though. Leadership is for others. It's not so you can feel better about yourself. It's for people. It's for others. That's why this is so important. You're like, Sean, this is like a self-help talk. Not really. Well, kind of. Because we need some help. But it's not just for us. There are people that needs your level of leadership to step up. Let me show you this in the Bible, all right? Exodus chapter 3 is the calling of Moses. Moses, if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, if you've ever seen Charleston Heston, uh, you, you've seen kind of the story of Moses being called by God, and he, he delivers a million-plus people. Okay, that's a lot of people. You thought you had it rough with, like, leading a team of seven at your job. Try and pastor a million-plus people in the desert, with no air conditioning, no showers, no deodorant. Are you with me? 
Talk about challenges, the struggle would be very real. Here's, here's Moses, Exodus chapter 3, God's calling him, and the Bible says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So, I have come down to rescue them. That sounds like a great idea, God, from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land and into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you Pharaoh, to Pharaoh to bring my people out of, Israel, out of uh, uh, Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, look at this for just a second. Moses is called by God. The Bible says three things. God heard the cries of his people. He then said, I'm going to come down to rescue them. But now go, I'm sending you. Let me, let me recap. I've heard the cries of my people. I'm coming to rescue them. Now go. Then the excuses start flowing. Come on, how many have ever given God an excuse why he shouldn't use you? Moses is like, well, 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 well who, who am I? Like, who am I that I, yeah, I should be the one? And God's like, I'll go with you. And he was like, well, who are you? <laughs> I am the I am. I am the great I am. I'm God Almighty. And Moses is like, well, what if they don't listen to me? And I, I don't even speak really good. And, 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 and I know that was improper grammar because... I was trying to prove a point. And then he says, just use somebody else. Just use somebody else. Listen, when God chose Moses, God did not choose a level 10 leader. He chose a level 3 leader with the potential to be a level 10. Let me say that one more time. When God chose, many times we think God chose like level 10 leaders all around. God never chose a level 10 leader. He always chose a level three, a level four, a level five with the potential of being a level 10 leader. That's Moses. Here's the good news for you and me, that no matter where we are on our journey, God can grow you in your personal leadership. Can I hear a good amen? And you may, th- you may be here today and you're like, man, I'm not a good leader. That's okay, because God wants to reach so da- deep down into your soul and dr- drive out and pull out the God-given potential in you to reach other people. So if that really is true, then enough with the excuses already. Stop wasting time. God has heard the cries of the people in our cities. He's coming to their rescue, and he's going to use you and me to do it. Come on. And that's why it's so important to go through our growth track, discover your gifts, and grow in your leadership. That's why it's important to jump on the dream team and begin to serve and make a difference. That's why it's important to sign up for a small group and not just read the paper and make an airplane out of it later. Because we want to grow. We want to grow. Not for us, so we can reach people. Moses grew, not so Moses could go down in history as one of the greatest leaders of all time, but because there was a million plus people that were crying out to God, broken and in slavery, and God said, I'm going to come to their rescue, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need someone to do it. Aren't you, aren't you a little overwhelmed at the fact in the grace of God that he would choose to use us? Like anybody else just grateful to be on the team? Come on. And what we realize very quickly is that the part I play is not, as important, is not as important as what we're doing all together. Like, like, it's so important to realize it's not about me getting accolades. It's not about me getting my name in lights. It's not about that. It's about hurting people that need hope and they need healing in Jesus' name. 
So here's a couple things. We have Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. Okay, fast forward the tape. So God did all the stuff. Ten plagues, open the Red Sea. They're, 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 they're going. They've been freed. It's amazing. Okay, now the rubber meets the road. And Moses is here in Exodus 13, or 18, verse 13. This is a lengthy passage, but try to, try to pay attention. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. Okay, that is a long day work. Verse 14, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Say alone. Why do you alone sit as a judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him and said something that sounded good. He said, because the people come to me to seek God's will. I got to help the people, dad-in-law. And that sounds good. And here's what verse 16 says. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law, he was a wise man. He said this, what you're doing is not good. Now, can you imagine you're serving God, you're serving people, and somebody comes to you and says, what you're doing is stupid. And can you imagine Moses turning to his dad-in-law like, excuse me, I respect you as my dad-in-law, but God did call me. (laughs) Remember the whole staff thing and we walked across on dry land? That was me. (laughs) Moses' dad says, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Okay, look at me for a moment. If you want to do this for the long haul, you have to understand what's doable is not always sustainable. You can do something for a while, but can you do it for the long haul? Like as we pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach three, more, three times in the morning. I used to preach five live services every week, and people were like, I love, way to go, Sean. Okay, our overseers have come to us and said, Sean, you cannot keep that pace up. If you want to pastor this church for a long time, you can only speak about three times. So guess what? We're going to do a video on 5 o'clock service. And that's why, because I don't want to do this for a year and then crash because my voice can't take it. What is doable is not always sustainable. Think about it in your life. What is it that God is saying? Hey, what you're doing right now, it's not good. Even if you're doing it with the right heart and the right motives. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said, what you're doing is not good. Verse 18, sorry. You and these people come, uh, that come to you, they're all going to wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me. Here's the advice. I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. Verse 21, here it is but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, some over hundreds, some over fifties, and some over tens. Can somebody say small group? Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves that they may make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, watch this, 
you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. This is oftentimes known as the Jethro Principle. That's his father's name. That's a great name, by the way. (laughs) Jethro Principle. He says, separate yourself from doing it all. And many times what what makes you part of a good leader is that you know how to do it. And you, you don't, you're, you're not very good at delegating. And many of you, you pride yourselves on, many of us, I should, many of us, I'll include myself. Many of us have said, I'm a good delegator, when really you're just a good dumper. <laughs> you have responsibilities, and you got to get the job done, and you don't train somebody or help them along the way. You just say, go do that. And then it doesn't get done, and you're like, I don't know, I delegated. we got to show them how to do it. He raised up these people who were over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He raised them up. He got teams in place, or like our dream team, small group leaders, so that we can begin to handle more people. Listen, I'd love to meet with every single person, every one of you, in person, every week. I'd love to meet with all of you. But I promise you, if I did that, you wouldn't like this church anymore. Because we wouldn't have time to do what we do behind the scenes. So sometimes our staff meets with people, our small group meets with people. I'm just telling you, the best way that churches can function is so that the pastor's not doing all the work, but that he's raised up Ephesians 4 ministry leaders to do the work of the ministry, and you get done because you're now using your gifts, your talents. Come on, is anybody getting this? You lift the lid. And here's what we found around our church. It's not about getting the job done. It's about getting the people done. I used to do it all. I used to be a one-man band. I would lead worship. I would do the announcements. I'd take the offering. I'd preach. I'd pray for it. We didn't have a prayer team. I was the prayer team. Line them up. (laughs) And the church wasn't growing. Let me tell you what happened. We switched everything around to developing the growth track and our small groups and our dream team. And now our dream team, when they serve, when they welcome people out the front door, when they lead, when they're in the nursery, when they're praying for people, when, it, when they do what God has gifted them to do, they come alive. Because now they're making an eternal difference inside of them. And I, I'm less busy now than I was when our church was 300. Now it's over 3,000. But we have raised up people and their gifts. Now God is saying, I want to raise you up to reach more people. Can I hear a good Amen. Here's the the truth. The people that do ministry by themselves and do life alone, they keep the lid. They wear it. It's like a hat. And you can tilt it sideways. It's still not cool. (laughs) A lid is never cool. Today, I'm telling you, you can lift the lid. Come on, say it again. I can lift the lid. Say it again. One more time. Moses grew into becoming a world-class leader by developing people. That's how he did it. So Moses lifted the lid. Joseph comes along. He lifts the lid. God calls him at 17 years old. He wasn't ready to lead a nation. Come on, how many 17-year-olds do you know that's ready to lead a nation? He, He lifted the lid, and now he would go on 13 years later to become the second in command of the most powerful nation on the planet. Esther was not a great leader, but she lifted the lid and became a great leader and saved a race of people. 
Same thing with Abraham. He lifted the lid. Isaac lifted the lid. Jacob lifted the lid. Gideon lifted the lid. Elisha lifted the lid. So did Peter. So did all the disciples. And I'm here to tell you, so can you. You can lift the lid of your personal leadership to reach people. Come on. How many want to grow in your leadership? You want to grow in your leadership? Here's, here's a few things. To write this down. Number one, you have to be honest with where you are right now. Be honest with where you are right now. Where am I? Am I a good leader? Am I not a good leader? Do I think I'm a good leader? But if I really look around, nobody's following. I'm just going for a walk. <laughs> where are you in the, in the grand scheme of all of this? I'm looking at where I am. I want to I want, I want to be better, but you have to be honest. Be honest first with where you are. In James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this. He says, listen, if any man lacks wisdom, just let him ask of God. God will give the wisdom without finding fault. He's not going to say, listen, you're asking for wisdom? Yeah, but I know a little bit about your history, and I'm going to keep this wisdom. No, God said, I'm going to give it without finding a reason in your life not to give it to you. He'll give it to you. So I asked for wisdom. Every day, God, give me wisdom. I prayed this since I was 18 years old. Give me wisdom beyond my years. Because we started this church very young. I was 24. (laughs) you got to be half crazy to start a church at 24. But you're in luck. I'm more than half crazy. Three-quarter. I'm up three-quarter crazy. And I, and I pray this. I pray this all the time. I pray, Lord, help me to be a better follower of Jesus. Help me to be a better, a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, and a better developer of people. I pray those five things often. Lord, make me a better follower of Jesus first. Secondly, better husband, better father, better pastor, and a better developer of people. I pray that, and I'm praying that same thing for you, that God would give you the idea of where, I mean, to be honest, the heart to be honest with where you are. Number two, write this down. Be determined to grow in your leadership. Be determined to grow. I'm determined, man. I want to be a better leader. Because, again, it's not just for me. Here's a great verse. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24 says, Work hard at becoming a, shout it out, everybody. Leader. A leader. Be lazy and become a slave. If you're lazy, you will become a slave to something. Whether it's a slave to sin, whether it's a slave to, I don't know. But something else is going to come and you will begin to follow. You'll be a a follower instead of a leader. It is said that only 2% of the population is leaders and the other 98% are followers. Only 2% are the ones who are writing music, writing books, leading people, you know, all of these things, the inventors, and 98% are followers. What would happen if we as a church said, listen, we're not going to just be followers. We don't need to just go talk about somebody else's movie. Make your own. We don't have to just read everybody else's books. Write your own. We don't have to just go and follow everybody else. What if we begin to say, ah, God has a gift of leadership on you. You may not be a 10 in every area, but I promise you, you are a 10 in some area. And here's how I know, because God doesn't make junk. God made you. You're a 10 in some area. And our growth track, we want to help you find out what that is. So, so... You can lift the lid, and it doesn't just happen. This is not, you have to be intentional. It's like aiming in the right direction. What specifically do you need to start doing today? Maybe even write it down in your notes. What's the next step? For some of you, you need to join the church. If you haven't joined the church yet, I want to ask you to meet me next door at 1015 today. And even if you weren't planning to show, uh, show up, just show up. We're ready for you. I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. My wife and I want to greet you, and we're going to give you the vision and values, excuse me, that was breakfast. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Don't act like you've never done that. So you can meet us right next door. That was so rude of me. Pardon me. We're going to meet you next door at 1015. Recheck your kids in and join the church. For some of you, you've been coming for a long time. It's just time. Take the next step. For some of you, you've gone through the step one, but you haven't gone through all the growth track. Go through all four steps. I'll give you four weeks, and I'll help you discover your purpose. It's not hard, and it's not because we're geniuses. It's because God's word just works. And then number three, get on our dream team. If you haven't gotten the dream team yet, you're not serving yet, get on the dream team, begin to serve, especially with this fourth service. There's opportunity now for more people to to begin to serve. And when you serve at our church, you serve one service every three weeks. I mean, you're not here all day. It's amazing. And then get in a small group. If you have have done that, go through our internship program. We've extended the internship registration by a week. Today, this week, is the last week to enroll in our nine-month internship. It's Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. I'm telling you, it can be the thing that catapults you to, to, to the new season in your life. So what is it in your life? What is it? What do you need to do? What do you need to add? What, what books do you need to read? What, what things have you slacked off on? What leadership things do you need to add to your life? I'm just telling you and helping you to say, find out your purpose work it and make an eternal difference. And remember, this leadership is not for you. Jesus Christ has given you leadership ability to help those who are in captivity know what freedom tastes like. And some of you in the room, you're like, man, I want to do something big in life. Awesome. Here's the biblical principle. Start small, be faithful with little, build something here, and God will give you more. Because at the end of the day, look at me, everybody. Everybody look at me. This is so serious. You're like, why are you talking about leadership? Because people's lives are at stake here, ladies and gentlemen. And we exist so that those who are far from God will be brought near to God to find hope and healing and the only Savior of the planet, Jesus Christ. Come on. Is anybody with me today? (laughs) Your leadership ability is your lid. Your leadership ability is your lead. So begin to work on becoming nice. That's a good step in leadership. Work on becoming the person who is interested, genuinely interested in what others have to say and not about you just being heard. Start to be the person who's praying for people. Start to be the person who's serving people selflessly without needing the pat on the back. Be the person who's building people because at the end of the day, we have to remember Jesus Christ is the one we're following and all he, he's the greatest leader on the planet. All he did, the only thing he did was build people. He never was walking down the street and said, hey, hey Judas, let's take some money out of the treasury and build a library and put my name on it so everybody remembers me. There is no building that Jesus built. He built people. He loved people. He raised up people. And you and I are here as a direct correlation to his leadership and investment in people. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when I say work harder at this, many of you can get that mixed up and think, well, I'm just going to work harder. Listen, you have to aim at the right things. Because you can work harder at the wrong things and you don't get the results that you want. It's like if you want a six-pack, ladies and gentlemen, I heard it's not about just doing more sit-ups. I heard a six-pack is made in the kitchen. Some of us, do, I mean, I'm just working so hard and more crunches and more crunches. And, and yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm not getting the six-pack while we're eating Twinkies. 
You want to work in your leadership development, work on your leadership development, and that ability will rise. The higher you want to go on leadership, the more important this is. By the way, this will help you in an incredible way on your job at work. Because your boss will recognize leadership on you, and it will open up greater doors of influence. Because you'd agree with this statement. Every one of us knows smart and talented people who are stuck in their leadership ability. They're not growing. You look at them and you're like, wow, they should be a whole lot further down the company than they are. And they're mad because they're getting passed over for interviews and promotions. And I'm just telling you, it's the leadership ability. It's not just about talent and smarts. It's about your leadership ability. So begin to work on what that leadership ability is. You have to be honest with where you are. Say, God, where, where am I right now? And then be willing to grow. Lord, I'm determined to grow on this. Number three, be willing to learn from others. Be willing to learn from others. Don't be an island under yourself. Be willing to learn from other people. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for a lack of counsel. The person who just says, I'm going to do this all by myself. All by myself. <laughs> you know what that song's about? Lids. I should just wear this all day. Plans fail for a lack of Counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. We don't do anything at this church without praying, praying about it and then talking to other people. We say this a lot. Learn from proven models. If you want, listen, if you're in debt, don't talk to somebody else who is broke. You want to learn from somebody who got out of debt Go to, by the way, get in one of our financial peace groups. They'll help you out. <laughs> if, you, if you want a good, you know, like if you want marriage advice, we have marriage mentors at the church who help you through this stuff. Don't talk to somebody who their marriage is falling apart. You learn from proven models. Same thing with your leadership ability. Build people. And lastly, this is the, probably the most important one. Rely on God. Rely on God. Proverbs 3.5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In every way, in all your ways, acknowledge God. Here's the promise. You ready for this? You ready for this? He'll make your crooked path straight. I would venture to say there's a, there's a bunch of us who were looking at our future and we're saying, scratching our heads saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. You need God to take the road in front of you and go. And straighten that sucker out. It comes by these three steps. Trust Him with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Let's go to God's Word and say, God, help me in this. Acknowledge Him, Lord, I put you first. And He's the one. He's the one who straightens paths. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord a hand. Lift the lid.